Welcome back to another episode of Chappy Chats. Another week has gone by, and I'm thinking that it was a good week. But again, you remember my philosophy. If you do something good, you learn something new, then it's a good week. And I hope you did something new or learned something new in your week. This morning, our topic of study at church was on encouragement. And as I sat there and thought about that and the idea of encouragement and to be an encourager, it really related back to the work I've been doing the past three years in working at a jail. And as I've worked with the individuals in this jail, the people that are the officers and those that are incarcerated there, it's often came upon me that we really don't care for people. Not in a big sense do we care for people. We have certain ideas and thoughts about what we think ought to be, and we made rules and laws that people are to conform to. And if they don't conform to these laws, we lock them up in jail, then we try them, and then we send them off to prison. And here in Oklahoma, there's been an advertisement playing lately that says, on the radio, it's a somebody you can punch a button and leave your thoughts, and they play it over. And he's like, when I hear criminal justice reform, I just hear letting criminals out to do it again. And I'm sure that's happened. In fact, I know it's happened. You let some people out, and they go and commit the crime, sometimes a worse crime or the same crime. And if it's a horrible crime, you really feel bad because why didn't you leave them in there in the first place? So I get the idea of the general public of why they would feel that way. But on the other hand, in all the years that I've been around jails, and I was around jails quite a bit in my other county job that I worked at, and around a lot of inmates there, and what I came to see is that a big portion of those that are in jail, those that haven't committed what most people would consider heinous crimes against mankind, they're really decent people. They're people who either have not ever been encouraged in their life. In fact, they've been discouraged all their life and told that they would never amount to anything and they couldn't do anything and they couldn't be anything because they were just dumb, stupid, lazy. They were of the wrong ethnicity. They came from the wrong side of the tracks. They came from areas that are just economically depressed and nobody ever gets out of here. And that is very discouraging. And when you think that's the only thing you can do, and you're never encouraged, and especially encouraged to use your time in jail to become somebody else, whether that's renewing your mind through religion, study of philosophy, getting some kind of training. And I think that's what we're really missing in this criminal justice reform. Now, there are some people that don't need to go to jail because they're mentally ill. And yes, they probably have committed some crimes and some bad crimes, but to simply put them in a prison with other people doesn't do any good. It doesn't solve their mental issue. And some of them are solvable, some are not, because just like in other areas of life, whether you have heart disease or you have high blood pressure or diabetes or name any one thing, if you don't take care of it, if you don't take the proper nutrition and the proper exercise, and the, then it doesn't get any better. And so it is with those in jail. If you have a mental illness and there's some way it can be treated and you just don't want it to be treated, 
then you need to stay in that place because you're a danger to yourself or someone else. But those that have committed nonviolent crimes, crimes that were not against anybody's body or property, or even sometimes if it was against somebody's property or the body, they can change. And if you don't believe they can change, then you don't believe you can change. You don't believe that your life can take a different direct trajectory. You don't believe that you can be someone different. And that's a sad place to be in. Now, I kind of understand why we're in that area, because we have a world that thinks whatever you think is okay. Whatever you feel, that's okay. But that's not really the truth, because just what you think is not always true. I will use one of the worst things in our histories to have thought at one time that one part of mankind, one ethnic group, was inferior simply because of the color of their skin and facial features and maybe the shape of their head is ludicrous. Yet we thought that. Many, many people thought that. And science tried to prove it. But it's not true. We know it's not true. We know that the color of your skin, the shape of your head, or facial features have nothing to do with your intelligence or your ability to learn. It has nothing to do with whether you're morally upright or morally bankrupt. That is a matter of thought and heart. Thought and choice. Thought and action. You can think about a lot of things and never act upon it. And so I guess as I thought about this today, I want to think about the fact of how do we encourage people to be different? Do we keep on doing what we're doing? As some people in law enforcement like to look and think that there are sleaze bags and slums and slugs and a few other words that I won't say in my podcast today, and yet they don't see them as human beings. You see, in the story, they talked about a warden that went to Angola prison. You may not know about Angola, but it was not a nice place. And when this warden went there, he began to change things. And he said, we're going to have morality. Without morals, you can't live. There are going to be rules. And he made rules such as if you cussed an officer, you were put in segregation. And if an officer cussed an inmate, they were written up. And he said he had to fire a lot of officers before he got the officers that he wanted. And then because of Angola, the type of prison it was, there were a lot of prisoners that were there that were going to be there for life until they died. And some of them would need extra care. And so they were the first prison to bring hospice care in to let them die in dignity and peace. And you know, he said once they started bringing these men in it and they started teaching Bible classes, he had these guys going into other sections of the jail and they were turning them around. And how were they turning them around? Well, some people say, well, you can't bring religion into a state or government because we've got to separate it. But they weren't bringing religion per se in. They were bringing in respect and encouragement and rules and stability 
And that worked. And sure, it came through Scripture. But then it got so big, he started having others, and they graduated. They had courses from Bible colleges, and they graduated. And he even told the story of one guy that was a preacher and doing it by video, I would guess, like we do it today. He built a church of 800 people, and he touched lives and turned lives around, though he's inside a prison. The biggest prison we have is the prison of not trying to be human to other human beings, that we don't try to encourage, we try to discourage. I will leave you with this thought. When I went to Sweden, and I've told this story before, but it always makes me think about how we've done things and, boy, how we've messed it up. Outside the church was a set of stocks, and if you really messed up, and but not bad enough you need to go to jail or whatever, they'd put you in the stocks, and everybody would go by church, and they'd know you'd been a bad boy or girl because you were in the stocks. If you did something really bad and had to go to prison, they would bring you up to the front, and they would set you on the shame bench. And they would set you there, and everybody would know you did something shameful, and you're going to jail. And when you got out of jail, when you had paid your time, when you had paid your penalty and paid back your penance to society, you could come back and you could come to church again. And they would set you on that shame bench again. But there was a big difference. This time, when the service was over, the priest, the Lutheran preacher, whoever would come up, and he would say, this is so-and-so, and they've done their time, and they've paid back their debt to society, and now we must welcome them back into the church. We don't welcome them back in the church. We don't even welcome them back into society because we label them ex-con. And with that title, we don't want to give them a job. We don't want to give them respect. We don't want to give them encouragement. And let me tell you something. If somebody can't provide for their family or for themselves and they struggle and they can't get a job because we won't give them a license or they can't get out of a hole because we have put so many fees on them for putting them in jail that they can't pay it, they can't catch up, they're going to find a way to make money and that way of making money is going to be back in an illegal means because that's the easiest means they know to get it. And I think it's time that we woke up, that we decide that we are going to help people in and out of jail, in and out of church. We're going to be encouragers. We're going to tell people they can do things. We're going to encourage them to do things. We're going to respect that they may have made a mistake, but that mistake is not who they are, and that anyone with the right direction and the right support and the right comfort can overcome anything in life and that anything that anybody has done is not a definition of who they are. Now, again, I will give you the caveat that there are some people that over the span of their life have been so terrible and have so opened themselves up to evil that that's what they are. But that's not most people that you meet that have made a mistake that caused them to have ex-con on their name. And so we need to wake up to the fact that those people deserve to be comforted, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, and to be built up. Because that's, in my case, what God does for me. Because I've told you before, I'm the chief among sinners. There's nobody worse than me, nobody better than me. 
I am a sinner redeemed by grace and love, and that's what an encourager does. So when you think about criminal justice reform, let's think about reforming how we look at those criminals and how we see justice, that we need to remember that we could be right where they are given the right circumstances, and we need to show some grace and comfort to them and give them some direction that is positive without holding their past against them. Would any one of you want me to pick one day, one act or series of acts out of your life and say, this is who you are and never can you be anything else? I certainly wouldn't want that. So let's don't do that to people that have fallen into sin that has led to jail. For all of you have sinned, just not caught to go to jail. Blessing, protection, and favor until we meet again.